I was going back and forth um, with her trying to get this date on the books. And then I asked her some other question, right? I asked her some other non-sort-of-meeting question. And then Amy answered me, and she told me that, that actually she was an AI bot. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast, a show for accountants and bookkeepers using cloud technology to make their jobs more strategic and impactful. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Today, as our special guest, we have Dr. Sean Stein-Smith on the podcast. He is a CPA and assistant professor at Lehman College in New York. He is a member of the 2017 AICPA Leadership Academy and was also named a 40 under 40 in the accounting profession for 2017 by CPA Practice Advisor. Sean, thanks so much for joining us today. How you guys doing? Happy to be here. All right, Sean, I'm really excited you're here. It's like, I feel like I've seen you a lot at a lot of conferences. We've crossed paths all the time. <laughs> I don't know anything about you. You're like, oh, it's the guy that's always overdressed for yeah. kind of conferences. That's pretty much. Yeah, Suit and tie, yeah. regardless <laughs> of, of anything else. So like, fill me in, like, like, who are you? How did you become who you are? Um, you know, you're, you're a PhD. It's a, we really would love to understand how you got here. Yeah, sure. And uh, probably the, probably I took a pretty sort of normal path at first, right? I graduated high school. I was, you know, in college doing my uh, undergrad. I got my uh, undergrad uh, in accounting. Then I rolled it into a uh, a five year master's program to get those one hundred and fifty. Then I ended up sitting for the uh, exam, passed all four parts of uh, my CPA exam. Then I went to work. You know, so uh, up until that point, it was all it was all pretty straightforward. Um, then. I was working in in industry. Worked for a a few firms in industry for I'd say about seven seven and a half years. But while I was working in in industry, I kept having this this thought over and over again that that I wanted to do something more, right? I wanted to you know to to be different to really you know pop out. And you know in the part of the uh, country that that I'm from, sort of the greater uh, NYC area, it, it, it's awfully tough to, to sort of stand out, right? Because there are thousands of people that have their MBAs, are CPAs, and are you know totally qualified. So I kept looking for you know ways and opportunities that I could sort of make myself pop out. And so at that point, then I started to actually look into getting my uh, doctorate, right? But I didn't want to get a doctorate in accounting, right? Because I figured. Uh, I that was already boring enough, right? I was already boring enough. <laughs> and so I didn't want to get a, a doctorate in accounting. So I actually ended up getting a doctorate in corporate strategy and innovation. Oh, And right. you all really, right. yeah, yeah, uh, a little different. And so all of that really opened up, you know, like a whole new way of analyzing your problems, your businesses and opportunities. And so then, you know, I've been sort of, you know, trying to use what I learned, right, about strategy and about innovation and about finding opportunities in the market to help me sort of chart a path that I think is pretty uh, cool and and that, that I think does help me sort of pop out uh, in the marketplace. So, Sean, you are a teacher or a professor. Yeah. And uh, so... Are you are you are you teaching accounting? Are you teaching strategy? What are you teaching, and and what are you telling your students about the future of accounting? Ah, excellent questions, Blake. 
So I'd say probably the the actual course content that I cover is all of sort of that normal stuff, um, intermediate two, advanced accounting, and advanced accounting theory, right? All those really fun classes. Um, but what I'm trying to do more and more is to weave in some of the topics that that I'm the most passionate about and that I really think are going to be driving tremendous change out there for anybody working uh, in accounting or in finance, right? And maybe anything anything to do with blockchain, uh, AI, or anything to do with the also the cryptocurrency area. I- I'm trying to more and more sort of weave those topics into uh, the courses that I teach and any sort of presentations that I'm doing. Well, that's great to hear because when I was taking advanced accounting, uh, the, the most advanced we got on a technology from a technology perspective was um, flowcharts that showed tape drives. <laughs> yeah. It's a little different out there now. Yeah, the, I'm glad I know the symbol for a, a tape disc well, backup I mean, system. Yeah, I mean, right? It's good to Obviously. know. It comes in so handy. Yes. <laughs> well, especially for, with the cloud accounting. <laughs> yeah, because you, you definitely want to take it all out of the cloud and put it onto a tape drive. That's the point, Just right? for, you right? know, yeah. in case there's a nuclear attack. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Sean, I know you, you, you dropped that, that magic word uh, Bitcoin, blockchain, yeah. right? Um, can you, I, I think I feel like at a conceptual level, most people in our space, including me and possibly Blake, we understand like blockchain because it, uh, how that will affect audit, right? It kind of goes very hand in hand. It's very easy to understand, right? But how's like blockchain going to affect all the rest of these industry, like uh, small business transactions, payments? Like, can you kind of like? What's yeah, your spiel? No, so, your and uh, I'd agree with that, right? That at this point, probably everybody has a general idea and an overview of sort of what blockchain is, right? It's a decentralized, you know, a sort of data management system, basically. And some of the applications out there that are going to impact sort of payments and transaction processing, I do want to just uh, toss out a, uh, a sort of your caveat now, and that really sort of a lot of the work going on is still in that sort of pilot stage phase, but sort of the underlying infrastructure of how a private blockchain would work would actually get rid of a lot of the friction and the time delays, right? Um, uh, when it comes to payments and transactions, right? For example, right, when any of us go either onto Amazon or out and we and we purchase something on a credit card, right? It's a relatively quick and and painless process for us usually. It takes about what 10, 10 seconds. But then the actual your confirmation uh, and the settling of that transaction on the back end can can take two to three days to, to actually settle. But if the but if the uh, your merchants and the customers and and everybody is using a cryptocurrency, whether it's Bitcoin uh, or something else that we haven't even heard of yet. If we are using a cryptocurrency running on a blockchain platform, because all of those transactions are uploaded on a continuous basis and then pinged out to everybody else in that network, including the the merchant and the uh, customer who are engaged in that transaction, transaction right now, it's a much faster and much more efficient sort of back end office uh, 
um, settlement of those transactions. So that was a long way uh, of saying that basically anything that has to do with the passing of information from party A to party B, that is going to have any sort of confirmation built into it is going to be changed. So I want to go back to something that uh, that David said. He sort of glossed over this blockchain affecting audit question, right? Which I keep hearing about. People keep writing how blockchain is going to reduce the audit. It's going to reduce your you know billable hours, your audit, because you're no longer going to have to be doing whatever. And I'm never really clear on what it is that you're not going to be doing, having not done audit myself. And like it just seems to me that for blockchain to really make a difference with audit, first, most transactions would be have to, would have to be occurring on a blockchain, which is not going to happen for a really long time, it seems to me. And second, the information that's on that blockchain is really just you know how much value was transferred and from who to whom and when. Uh, all these other details as such how the transaction is classified according to GAP is not going to be on the blockchain, right? And you still have to audit that. So... Is this is this really going to change audit, or is this overblown hyperbole? Sure, I'll, I'll try. So, set me straight, Sean. Um, so, I'd say that probably like right now the the hype and the buzz around blockchain probably has gotten a bit out in front of how it actually works right now, right? Because in in order for the blockchain to actually have a big impact on an audit, you are totally right. Uh, most of the information that it, that it is going to be audited is going to have to be on a blockchain. And if we even take a higher level view, in order for, for the information and the transactions to be on the blockchain, that is also going to mean that all of the organizations that are involved are going to have to be on a blockchain platform. And that all of those different blockchains are going to have to talk to each other. And as we all know, any time that that any two or three companies try to get their IT systems to work together, there are always going to be problems, right? And so, and so, blockchain right now is is that buzzword, right? It's like uh, it's a catnip for us right now, right? Um, but I I do think that there are some questions <laughs> that yeah. still have to be answered, and even at a more sort of basic audit level, I mean, uh, all of the information can be on that blockchain. But if the underlying uh, controls and processes as to who can upload information onto the blockchain, who can verify data on the blockchain, and then who is in charge of managing access in terms of both access into the blockchain and access to the public key uh, and the private key setup to actually encrypt that, uh, that information are internal controls. And... It, and uh, if those internal controls aren't good, aren't up to par, then the audit itself isn't going to be worth anything. Yeah, that, that's a fantastic point because, like, we might be mm -hmm. doing fewer confirmations, right? Of like cash confirmations are a big deal right now, right? We might be doing fewer of those, but then the work might which should definitely increase when it comes to internal control testing because blockchain is so complicated. And actually, that, that's a follow-up question I have for you, which is like, how are auditors going to be able to audit the blockchain when they don't understand it? <laughs> that's a great question, Blake. And probably one of the few um, instances right now of a firm actually auditing information on a blockchain. And, the, and I do want to take a step back first, though, and um, sort of emphasize the point that there are some great services out there 
that can actually allow a, a individual to then go trace back a block of information, the, the individual block itself via its hash ID. But at a institutional level, the only case that I've sort of really seen of a accounting firm being able to audit information on a blockchain was at one of the big four firms that has launched a launched a pilot program um, with a portion of the information at one of their clients. So it's so it it's it's coming, but it's not coming as fast as everybody might think right now, based on the headlines. So. So, so I think you were saying like, this is still catnip, like it's super, super early. It's still pilot. So kind of like, where are we in this? And what I mean by that is like, there's a lot of web standards, right? There's a standard for open ID. There's web standards that everybody agrees to use for OAuth. Um, even going back to like, your, uh, to the nineties, what defined a multimedia PC and what defined a multimedia PC too, right? Like there, there's um, associations and there's been um, standards set that everybody's agreed upon. Um, even like your Wi-Fi, this is why your laptop works when you go to a Starbucks and it works when you go to your home. Cause like all those Wi-Fi um, connections are all based on standards. So are any, is there a governing board yet? Or anybody, is anybody trying to build standards? Are you the president of this, Sean? Like, is this happening yet in our space? Cause I, I, I just don't see this all happening without like there being some agreed upon communication mechanisms. If you want to no. That. And, and, uh, that's an excellent, that's an excellent point there, Dave. And I mean, there are a whole bunch of groups out there trying to put together some ideas and some sort of working sort of guidelines, but, as far as as I know, there is no sort of governing you know, body. You know, there is no oversight board who is overseeing sort of the, you know, um, you found your next project, yeah, right? <laughs> no, but and actually, that uh, point also raises a interesting point that in 2017 alone, right, there were over 900 different um, uh, cryptocurrencies launched. And so each of those individual 900 new um, cryptocurrencies launched had to run on their own individual uh, blockchains. So there are hundreds and, and thousands of different blockchains out there right now. And sort of due to the nature of the concept itself, the blockchain is uh, a decentralized idea. So basically do um, due to how the concept works and, and how the technology works that underpins it, there is no one person or a council or a group of people overseeing those, those exact issues. Like, is, is information stored on uh, company A's blockchain going to be able to be interfaced with anything else? And the answer, and the answer to that right now is a no. There is nobody out there doing that right now. It sounds like it's just a huge adoption challenge because it almost feels like, hey, if if you're with firm A, you're on blockchain A. Well, and if you switch to firm B, you got to put in a different server and you got to track your blockchain differently on, on their, their, their technology Absolutely. stack. It's kind of uh, interesting. If accountants, controllers, CFOs want to learn more about blockchain and how it affects the accounting profession... Where can they go? Because I haven't seen a whole lot of stuff online. There's not like a clearinghouse of information at this point about accounting and the or blockchain in the accounting profession. Or is there? And I, I just haven't found it yet. No, uh, I'd say that 
probably the one thing that's coming out, and it's coming out actually relatively soon. I know that I've been doing some work with the uh, AICPA. They're actually developing a uh, a course certificate program as we speak, and I've been doing some work with them and some other uh, individuals who they've who they've called in to help them sort of get this up and running. I believe that they're going to be um, rolling out that program within the next uh, four to six weeks. Um, and there are some other groups out there, the uh, the Counting um, Blockchain Coalition, based here on the East Coast, and there's the Wall Street and there is the Wall Street Blockchain Alliance that I've been working with also. So so there are different groups and bodies out there. There's the Blockchain Council. I mean, there are different groups out there who are trying to help educate, you know, uh, people in in all industries. But as far as like anything for accounting and finance specifically right now, I'd say that you're you should see some of that um, coming out either in like the next month or so or definitely or definitely by the fourth quarter uh, of this year. Kind of relating this back to where we're at, right? We're still doing lots of paper checks, correct? In, in the States, right? It's zillions of paper checks still. So maybe if somebody's not really even when we talk blockchain, kind of even taking a step back. So if the paper checks had a blockchain, you'd be able to see after you write that check and you hand it to whoever you hand it to, every single person that holds that check as it moves through the whole process up through the ACH clearinghouses and back down, like you would be able to know who's touching that check along the way and you'd be able to see that uh, um, on the chain. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I mean... Any piece of, of information that's that's uploaded and is and is then added into the blockchain, then anybody at at any point in time ca- has access to them to see sort of what is going on with that data. So, do you see checks going away when we have blockchain, or do you think it just accents checks? I think that uh, uh, that paper checks are probably going to go away for some other reasons, right? Just j- just because it's more efficient to do things online as opposed to going away just because of a new uh, technology platform. I'd say that checks are probably going to fade away due to the current tools out there. Blockchain, artificial intelligence, these are all fun things, as you said. Uh, A little bit of catnip, or maybe it was David who said that at the beginning. Uh, So let's talk a bit you know, along these lines more about practical steps that we can take now to improve efficiency automation in our accounting departments and our firms. Is there anything other than eliminating paper checks that is your favorite technology of the moment that like people can actually go and buy and use right now? I mean, I try to not endorse any specific tool or any specific firm usually just to avoid any conflicts uh, for for me, but I'd say probably I'll be two to three concepts that, that, that I always try to emphasize whenever uh, I'm working with anybody is if there are any processes or any emails even um, uh, that you have people on your staff, either at the staff level or even at a senior level, if there are any emails or any processes that uh, that happen over and, and over again, make a, you know, uh, basic template that that has most of that information, and then as the month changes, or as the you know, or as the individual client name changes, then then that information can be updated, right? I mean, don't don't manually do it over and and over again, uh, yeah, each and every month. Um, two, 
And actually, here's a funny story, right? So one of the biggest sort of manual time wasters on, on my end, personally, is trying to book appointments, right? You know, whether it's interviews, mm-hmm. phone calls, in-person meetings, whatever it is. And I, I was going back and forth with Ed Kless, uh, I guess back in February, and I was going back and forth with him over email trying to book a time for us to get together to, to record a episode of his uh, show. And, and then he, he tagged his uh, admin, Amy. And so I was going back and forth um, with her trying to, get, trying to get this date on the books. And then I asked her some other question, right? I asked her some other non-sort of meeting question. And then Amy answered me, and she told me that, that, uh, that, she, that actually she was an AI bot and, and that she was only able to answer questions that, that had to deal with booking appointments for, for Ed. Right. So I was, uh, I was surprised, right. Cause I thought that I was dealing with a person, but any of, of, of those types of, of processes, right. Anything that has to do with, uh, any calendar management, any voicemail management, even, or, or even if you work at a firm or if your firm has a client that, that has a robust sort of online portal, online, uh, you know, sort of chat function, you know, any of, of those areas are ripe to be automated, right? And, and currently, there are, there are tools out there right now, and there are firms out there right now that really offer out-of-the-box right, options, right? That pretty much firms can, can tweak, customize, but are able to get up and running. That's a great point, yeah. Anything that is going on in email right now can probably get out of email and be automated, and it makes sense because email's been around for what thirty years, so we ought to have some better solutions by now. Yeah. I, I love Sean that you're 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 the PhD in accounting, right? And you're you're coming out and you're telling people automate stuff, but you're not even telling them to automate accounting stuff yet. Just like just do your email, do your calendar appointments, like really at a high level to to start there. Don't even because the the benefit of that is huge, right? And it ripples into the rest. Well, it it, it makes sense, right? Because Probably 50% of what we do in the accounting profession has nothing to do with accounting. It's just administrative crap, right? It's just scheduling appointments. It's sending documents back and forth. It's not anything that we got trained to do. And if we can get rid of that, then we can just spend twice as much time on the stuff that we actually got into the profession for. There's not an yeah. email, email 101 class that Sean teaches? We should, we should create <laughs> no. that. It could be an online class, how to get out of email. <laughs> We'd just be uh, salespeople for Slack, right? I think David brought up an a excellent point. I mean, actually automating the accounting function is, is off still in the future, right? I'm always a big uh, pusher of automating all of that junk work, right? All of that lower level work so that we have more time to actually spend on doing the accounting and getting it right the first time, as opposed to having to go back over and over it again. Yeah. Sorry. Great points. Hey, so Sean, if folks want to connect with you online, learn more about what you're up to, where can they do that? I'm pretty easy to find online. Probably the the two best places to find me are on Twitter, at Sean Steinsmith, and on LinkedIn, at Sean Steinsmith. And David, if folks want to get in touch with you, suggest stories for the show, give us their feedback, where should they do that? The easiest places on Twitter, I'm at David Leary. 
And what about you, Blake? I'm at Blake T. Oliver. Sean, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Awesome, guys. My pleasure. Bye, everybody.